Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Welcome to the Boneyard with Steve Roberts. And as always, I am your good friend and host, Steve Roberts. And fresh off vacation. Had a great time. I want to thank everybody for their uh, well wishes and nice words on social media. Wife and I had a great time celebrating anniversary year number 30. And uh, she'll be home this week again. So pretty cool stuff. But uh, I'll tell you this. If you are um, unfamiliar with Chattanooga, and I have been there multiple times for uh, races. My wife and I ran the stump jump. She ran it much faster and with greater vigor than I did. But uh, nevertheless... Longest race of my life, I believe, was the stump jump. I think that's right. I ran 25K at the stump jump. I think that's right. But uh, that was another lifetime ago. You know, then I decided to start writing books because I didn't really want to train. But all that being said, guys, Chattanooga is a great town. It really is. It's really unlike a lot of other towns in the South. We had an amazing time. Went and had our pictures made. Hired a photographer professionally. Uh, her name is Emily Lester. If you, if you, people have commented on our pictures about how great they were, uh, it kind of helps when the subject matter is beautiful. But that said, Emily Lester in Chattanooga, Tennessee, was our photographer, and she was absolutely amazing. So if you're in that area or considering taking a trip, and a, a little traveling tip for you guys. You know what happens is we, uh, as husbands especially, we don't fully appreciate how often our wives or significant others want to get their picture taken. Did everybody get all dressed up and have a nice picture? I didn't get dressed up. I wore jeans and a shirt. But uh, my point being is that even though they're not college age, they still want nice quality pictures to put around the house. As a matter of fact, we'll take one of these that we shot in Chattanooga and we'll frame it. We'll put it up in our new business that uh, we're working on. matter of fact, I've been playing catch up all day today. That's why I'm later recording the show. Uh, but yeah, so that's a good idea for you. I'm going to pass that along to you that uh, maybe you suggest that. Now, don't surprise her with it, though. Don't just, like, show up and say, hey, we're getting our picture made today. Because, listen, uh, ladies want to be able to go buy some new clothes and doll up and look beautiful for those pictures because they're going to be everlasting. So think it through. And, of course, you know, we had to go buy new outfits and that sort of stuff. And, that you know, she's like, hey, I want to go shopping. Let's have fresh outfits we've never worn before, that kind of stuff. And uh, she looked amazing. She did. I tell people all the time the key to having beautiful kids is to get the beautiful wife first. But uh, we did that, and then uh, we went and ate at uh, Clyde's, had a nice meal there, and then we went and ate uh, dessert at the City Cafe, and and then I uh, went and climbed the rock wall and went and saw Bad Omens play, as I shared with you guys. We did a great list with them. And then uh, Friday, went and had Mr. T's Pizza and Clumpy's Ice Cream and rode the, uh, the incline roadway. And then went to uh, Ruby Falls in the Lantern Tour. Got up on Saturday and went uh, whitewater rafting. It was amazing. Spent some time there at the bus bar, which is really cool. Watch a ball game there. We had a great time. And uh, I encourage you, as always, no matter how long you've been in love or how newly you've fallen in love, uh, taking big trips like this and making special memories are very important. 
They are. And not just for you and your relationship, but, you know, your significant other. But, you know, life has to be worth living. we got to do more than just get out and pay the bills and raise kids, right? And, and uh, that's one of the things I think that my wife and I enjoy about each other is we are very adventurous. We're willing to get out and go do things and, and do some cool stuff. So let me encourage you to do that in your life. Don't just sit around and pay bills and raise kids. That's when life gets stale. You begin to ask yourself, is life even worth living? If all I'm doing is making somebody else rich and paying somebody else's tuition, right? You got to go get out and do some things for yourself. And a lot of these things aren't very expensive. I mean, hiring a professional photographer, you know, that's, that's not cheap. Uh, but all that said, you can get out and go do some cool stuff. Get out and go hiking or whatever. I just encourage you to get out and go do that. I can tell you it reminds me of why I work as hard as I do. So I can take some time off and go do some cool things. So um, obviously the baseball didn't go the way we wanted to. We're going to talk about that and kind of the future of the program. Uh, but uh, probably the biggest news of the weekend is Tolu Smith has announced that he plans to return. Now, give Paul Jones a lot of credit here. Uh, Paul, of course, covers uh, Mississippi State men's basketball uh, extensively. Nobody covers it better than Paul does. Paul, in, in, in some respects, I'd say Paul's kind of obsessed with it. And I think you have to be, right? I mean, kind of like I am with college baseball. You know, Paul likes college baseball too, but, you know, he didn't cover it. I like men's basketball too, but, you know, Paul covers it. You know, and, and Paul has kind of been hinting at this possibility for a while about Tolu coming back. And uh, many of you reached out to me directly and said, hey, what about this tweet about Kentucky talking about he was a potential target for them? What I've been told about all that stuff even dating back to, um, you know, right before we hired Zach Arnett, is that until we lose a player, nobody's going to get all up in arms about it. You know, there's a lot of tampering that goes on through third parties and things of that nature, but, you know, it's not going to be a punishable offense if the player sticks with your school. That's what I'm told. So a lot of people have asked about that. Steve, you should look into this. It's not worth the time and effort. Now, I would love at some point, and maybe we'll try to arrange this if they're, if they're willing uh, to talk to somebody in the SEC office about what type of um, methods are in place to prevent tampering within the league in any sport. I'd like to know. You know, we know what happened with the Ole Miss situation with Jerry and Jones and Fabian Lovett. They were, they were sanctioned for it within the league. Couldn't take a Mississippi State transfer for, what, two years? And so, obviously, there is precedent there, but you just kind of wonder, you know, how seriously are we policing this? And the fact that somebody in the Kentucky media, and I don't think they made it up, right? I don't think they just pulled it out of thin air. Made a comment, hey, well, this guy's off the board. Well, he was never in the portal. And that's one of the things I don't think a lot of our fans fully appreciate. A lot of people think, well, it's just, you know, anybody can do anything. Well, no, that's not the case. And that was one of the things they told us when this immediate transfer portal uh, process opened up is that they were going to hammer people that tampered. Do you know of any? I don't. Has there been anybody out there that's been sanctioned by the NCAA? So it's almost like uh, kind of a, you know, a lick and a promise. Right? It's like, hey, we're, we're going to do this, but it's really just kind of a wind-addressing approach. you got to make an example out of somebody or this is going to continue. All right, let's thank our friends at Bulldog Burger Company. I will be dining there this evening. That's the plan anyway. And I'm going to go have that Mississippi barbecue burger. I have been jonesing for that for days I'm going to go get that, some onion rings. I'm going to get a chocolate shake to go. I may get Nutella. I don't know. I I mean, I may may just change it up. Who knows? But I'm going to get that chocolate shake to go. I love Bulldog Burger Company, and I loved them before they loved me. It's true. It's true. 
but we've had a great partnership now for many years. Many of you kind of see me in a synonymous light with Bulldog Burger Company, and I, I take that as a as badge of honor. That's a winning organization there. Whether you want to, you know, you're looking for a job, you know, perhaps you're looking for a night out with friends or family, Bulldog Burger Company has got a cure for what ails you. Three great locations to serve you. University Drive here in Star Vegas, Gloucester Street there in Tupelo, Lake Harbor Drive in the Ridge and Flowood area. Uh, go by and let that great restaurant quality hamburger just, you know, make you feel better about life. And, and maybe you don't want all that bread, right? Well, Steve, I'm trying to cut back on the carbs. Cool. You can get it on a bed of lettuce. You can get it without a bun entirely. You can get it in a gluten-free bun. Whatever you want to do, they've got a way to accommodate you. Or, or I know this sounds crazy, you can get that fabulous BLT salad. I like it grilled. You may prefer it fried. But sometimes I just want to eat fresh. A lot of times for lunch, that's what I get, that BLT salad. And sometimes if I had a big lunch, I'll get the BLT salad for dinner. You can get it whenever you want it. And you get it exactly the way you want it. I don't get it with red onions. You know my policy. But you may like it. You can get my onions too. Say, hey, when you're making my salad, throw Steve's onions in there too. You're more than welcome to have them because I'm not going to use them. But uh, listen, I love the place. You will too. So many of you are raving fans of Bulldog Burger Company. Have the spring rolls as your appetizer. They'll make you and everybody around you better looking. Bulldog Burger Company, the place where people go to meet. M-E-A-T. All right. Weekend didn't go the way we hoped. I had even considered, I told the uh, lovely bride, I said, if we win this ball game on Friday, I'm going to do a bonus barnyard on Saturday and kind of set up, you know, Sunday. I'll set it up and say, hey, here are the possibilities. Here's what we need to do to make Hoover. Of course, it all proved to be a moot point. And even though we still had a chance to get in on Saturday, we blew it on Friday. If we had won on Friday, it'd be a completely different discussion. I'd be packing a bag heading to Hoover. But we blew it. Once we lost a Friday game, you know as well as I do, it was over. All right, let's start here with uh, game number two of the series. That's going to be your Friday game. Our friend uh, Hoss. Strikes out swinging to open the game. Moss and singles to left. Werner strikes out swinging. And then Lavalette, who killed us all weekend, especially on Friday, hit his first of three home runs uh, to make it a 2-0 ball game in favor of the Aggies. Thompson and singles to center. Targak walks. And then Boss strikes out swinging. So a lot of traffic on the bases and not a very efficient inning in any respect for Cade Smith. All right, bottom first. Mississippi State strikes right back against Cade, right back in the ballgame. Rashawn strikes out swinging, which is kind of a rarity. Ledbetter singles to left center. Hines walks, lengthy at bat there. Now you got two runners on, and then DJ with an infield single there loads the bases. Chance for us to really climb into this thing. It's a, a walk to Kellum Clark. Good at bat there from Kellum. Forces the run in, and then Slade Offord hits the ball about as far as you can hit one in center field without hitting the wall. It's a sack fly, gets a run in, and then Hancock uh, pops out the short left. We get two runs here. You felt like it was a missed opportunity. I did. I don't know how you felt, but I felt like, hey, base is loaded with one out. We got to get more than two runs there. Big hit there. A gapper right there makes it a completely different conversation. But it's 2-2 after one, and then Cade settles down. We get Minnick out at first. Uh, first base to pitcher there. Coffer strikes out. He flies out. And Haas, or Haas, flies out to short left. Bottom of second state goes one, two, three. Uh, Larry pops up to second. Heifel grounds out to third. Marshawn pops up to the second baseman. 
All right, top of third. Leadoff double from Moss. Werner then flies out to left. And as I'm sitting there watching this, as soon as I see DJ settle under, I tell my wife, I ho- I, he's not, surely he's not going. He tags, and DJ throws him out. And at this point, I'm thinking, maybe it's our day. And they review it, which is a waste of everybody's time. I didn't think Slate made a great tag. I didn't think he dug in there. He was a little bit kind of ginger with the tag there. But we get it done. Double play. And then what do you know? Lava led homers to right center. Now it's a 3-2 ball game. Thompson fouls out uh, to the catcher. And uh, you're just thinking, okay, we're down one. It's okay. But it was a harbinger of things to come. Bottom of third, Ledbetter strikes out swinging. Hines is then hit by the pitch. Takes a little while to kind of get him going, but uh, he's okay. Then DJ strikes out swinging, and Kellum strikes out looking. Top of four, leadoff walks are of the devil. Back-to-back walks are from the pits of hell. Targak walks, boss walks, and a minute strikes out swinging. You're thinking, you know what, we're in trouble. Coffer flies out the center. Target tags and takes third, and then Haas grounds out to third. So despite the fact we walk two in the inning, we don't surrender any runs here. I think, okay, Cade's okay. We're good. We're good. Bottom four. Alford strikes out swinging to open up the home half of the fourth. Hancock flies out to left, and then Larry doubles down the left field line. And uh, Heifel strikes out swinging. So, again, a running scoring position here. you got to put a ball in play. Still 3-2, and you're thinking, we're good, we're good, we're good. Top of five. Nice inning here for Cade. Moss strikes out looking, and then Werner strikes out swinging. We kind of unintentionally, intentionally walk Lavalette here, and next thing you know, he tries to steal, and we throw him out. And you, again, you go back to the big defensive play with DJ, and then you got Ross throwing a guy out here. You're thinking, hey, we're here to play. Bottom of five, Mershon flies out the center. Ledbetter pops up to third, and then Hines walks again. Gets down 0-2 and works at full, gets a walk, and then DJ uh, grounds to the shortstop. They force Hines at second. Our top of six, that's it for K. We bring in Brock Tapper, who did a really good job here. He gets Thompson to pop up a bunt right back to him. Targak strikes out swinging, and Boss lines out to center field. So nice, efficient inning uh, here for Brock Tapper. All right, bottom of six, they make a change here and uh, pull Lampkin. Uh, Sadeo comes in and gets Clark to ground out the second, offer grounds out the short, Hancock grounds out the short. That's kind of the pitching philosophy of Nate Yeski, right? We're going to pitch to contact. We're going to try to get under barrels, and that's a winning formula more times than not when you can execute. All right, top of seven. Minich walks, Coffer strikes out looking, and then Haas reaches on a fielding error from Slate. And I'm thinking, this is fixing a blow up in our face right here. This we're, we're about to blow it. But instead, Tapper bears down, gets Moss to strike out looking. We walk Werner, load the bases, and we got to pitch to Lavalette. And I'm thinking, uh, this kid's fixing to kill us. Well, that came later. Lavalat flies out to right field. We get out of the jam. Bottom of seven, State pulls even in the inning. Larry flies out to left. Heifel then doubles to right field. And Mershon follows with a single to drive in high field. It's nice to see the freshman kind of working in concert there. Ledbetter reaches on a fielder's choice as they force Mershon at second. Hines walks again. And then Jordan, infield single. Bases are loaded. A chance right here, and Kellum strikes out swinging. Gets ahead 1-0 and then three consecutive swings. They, they just did a good job against Kellum. Kellum, not a good weekend. Uh, so it's 3-3. So despite the fact that we had more traffic on the bases, we didn't make them pay for it. It's a 3-3 ball game headed to the eighth inning. Right here, I'm thinking we're going to win. 
That's how I feel. I said, right, we're, we're, we're good. We're good. We're good. We're about to get in the elevator and go down to the bottom of Ruby Falls. But I thought right, we're going to win. All right, Nixon comes in. We get Thompson to strike out. We walk Targak and walk Boss. I'm thinking, all right, I don't know. Minute strikes out swinging, then Coffer grounds out the short. So despite the fact we had two walks in the inning, we don't give anything up. And I'm thinking, many are thinking, well, we're flirting with disaster, Steve. I'm thinking, you know what, hey, we're making the pitches we need to with two outs to get out of innings. It's just a matter of time before we score. Lo and behold, we do. So he'd offer triples down the right field line, and Hancock then walks. They bring in Cortez. Larry, ground ball here. Fielder's choice to the shortstop and uh, offered is thrown out at home. Really, you know, again, you look back at that. Of course, you got to go in contact, right? I mean, you do. Heifel then singles to the left side, right side. Uh, Larry advances to third. Hancock scores. And then Rashine grounds into a double play. That's just so huge right there. That's just – that's two at-bats right there that are really non-productive for us. Again, Larry uh, gets a fielder's choice. Slate gunned down at the plate. I don't – have any problem with the call there. Uh, Mershon grounded in a double play. That was, that, was, that was big. That was really, really, really big. Really big. It happens. Not, not beating up the kid, but we do score a run there, and it's now 4-3. to three. All right, so it's the ninth inning. We just need, uh, you know, Aaron Nixon to go out there and close out a ball game for us, right? Just got to get us three outs, and the game is over, and we've taken the series. That's how close this thing was. Haas flies out the center. Hey, we're two outs away. People are feeling it. Moss and singles to left, putting the tying run on. They pinch run for him. And what do you know? It's a pass ball. Tying run now in scoring position. Werner singles through the right side. Runners on the corners. Now, here is my attitude, and I said it as soon as it went final. I said it then. This, this is not, Hindsight's a beautiful thing. But, you know, down at LSU, in the same situation, we walked – Tommy White to load the bases. You walk Dylan Cruz, you walk Tommy White, so there's precedent here. My attitude is, I'm going to make somebody else beat me. I'm going to make Thompson beat me. And I understand there's just one out in the inning. I get it. But Lavalette's already got a couple of home runs and nearly, nearly hit a third one. And then now he does. Three-run bomb, puts him up two. Thompson then flies out to right, and Targak strikes out swinging. Now, you can say, well, Steve, if you walk Lavalette, Thompson gets a sack fly, the game is tied anyway. Yeah, the game is tied. It's tied. I didn't agree with the call. I'm just going to call it as I see it. Of course, I'm blessed with the gift of hindsight. There is no way I would pitch that kid as locked in as he's been. Just wouldn't do it. One of the best freshmen in the country. He'll be a freshman All-American. They'll build a program around that kid. And if he keeps hitting against uh, us the way that he has, they may, they may erect a statue. I thought it was a bad decision. I did. As calm as I see it. All right, bottom nine, we're down two. Ledbetter strikes out swinging, then Hines walks, and Jordan walks. Okay, now all of a sudden, we got the time runs on base with less than two outs. And Kellum Clark, another bad at bat here, strikes out looking. And then Alford, you know, home run here is a walk-off shot and uh, flies out to center field. So 10 more push-ups, it's a different discussion. But there's a lot you go back to in this ball game. We missed a lot of opportunities in this game offensively. Uh, made some mistakes in every aspect. Really did. Made some mistakes here uh, strategically. But again, you're up one in the ninth. Despite the fact you made some mistakes there, 
you got to find a way to close that thing out. And we didn't do it. And that's been kind of been the story all year. Your bullpen woes have been a big part of our, our, our problems. And uh, Aaron's, you know, been good. He has been. And uh, Lavalai got us. Three home runs in the ballgame. All right, Cade Smith goes five innings, allows five hits, three runs, walks four. The walks didn't really hurt him. You know, he's able to kind of pitch around it. But uh, Brock Tapper, I thought, was outstanding. Two innings pitch, no hits, no runs. Did have a couple walks, uh, three strikeouts. Aaron Nixon also um, three hits, three runs, all of them earned. And that's the three-run bomb, two walks. Um, just not, just didn't get it done, right? I mean, that's just, it just called for what it is. You know, Cade gave you a competitive effort. Brock Tapper did his job. And you give Aaron Nixon the lead in the ninth, and we just weren't able to close it out. And uh, I hate it, but that's kind of the microcosm of the season for Mississippi State. You put yourself in a position to win, and then when it's time to make a play, and it's not – I'm not beating up Aaron Nixon, don't get me wrong. But how many times – I mean, you know, Kellum Clark comes up in the ball. I love Kellum Clark. I'm a huge fan. I'd start a fan club. Uh, didn't have a good weekend. They did a really good job pitching against him. Had him swinging over the breaking ball. Hunter Hines didn't do much this weekend. But you lose the ball game, and now it's even. And I felt then, and I, I didn't let it ruin my time, but I'm thinking, you know what, this thing is over. It's over. We're going to have to have so much help. It was still a chance for us. Today's podcast is brought to you by Nerd Wallet's Smart Money Podcast. What's the best way to help you and your finances thrive? The answer can be overwhelming with all the financial misinformation out there. Fortunately, you can turn to Nerd Wallet's objective finance journalists to set things straight and help you make smart decisions with your own money. The nerds have helped me get smarter about things like planning for my tax bill so I don't dread April every single year, managing finances with a partner without causing a breakup, putting away more money for retirement since I'm not going to do this podcast forever. Sorry, folks. And also boosting my credit score since good credit is like a real-life cheat code. Saving for an emergency fund because life is like a good movie. It loves a good plot twist. The nerds also explain the real impact that the latest financial headlines could have on your life. Weekly financial check-ins with Smart Money help you spend more time doing what matters and less time worrying about what doesn't. Let NerdWallet's trusted experts untangle today's web of financial misinformation. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money podcast on your favorite podcast app. Future you will thank you. Bulldog fans, rodeo season is here. That's right, the Dixie National Rodeo. Get ready to roll, man. And uh, I remember being a kid, that was like the biggest highlight for us. My grandmother would get us tickets every year, and me and my brother would wear our cowboy outfits. We'd put our boots on, have our chaps, our vest, and we'd go up there, and just in case one of the cowboys got a little bit scared to get on a horse or a bull, we were willing to do it. Yeah, for sure. Guys, Boots aren't just for going out to a country western bar and doing a little boot scoot. Maybe you got a little Texas two-step in your game. Tacovas can make you look better than ever. Absolutely. And here's the deal, too. That's the thing. The versatility of Tacovas is you can wear them somewhere nice or you can live life where you don't go gently. That's what Tacovas does for you. Yeah, it's a rugged, handsome boot. It's my favorite boot brand, and it should be yours too. Be sure and check them out. Tacovas believes in Western for all people, and you can feel that when you go into their stores, when you walk in, you'll be greeted like family, offered a boot shine and a drink, 
and maybe even an adult beverage if you prefer, and you can get custom fitted for a new pair of Tecovis boots. You can get custom leather stamping or branding, whatever you need to make it feel somewhat individual. Look up your closest store at tecovis.com. But if you can't make it to a store, Tecovis delivers the most premium quality and most comfortable Western goods right to your door. Visit tecovis.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. And you know what, partner? Point your toes west. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. To get there, we're going to have to have Vanderbilt win and LSU win. Vanderbilt did. LSU didn't. But we go into Sunday. By the time we get there, LSU game's already gone final. We know that uh, this is the end of our season. I think we played like it for a while. Very first thing we do is uh, we hit Haas, and then Moss grounds into a double play. Werner flies out at center field. Bottom of one, Mershon strikes out swinging. Ledbetter then doubles down the right field line. Hines flies out to uh, short right, and then Jordan strikes out swinging. So a chance there again, runner in scoring position, less than two outs, and uh, we, we couldn't put a ball in the green grass of the expanses of Duke Noble Field. All right, Gerangelo settles down good here. We get top of second. Lava Lad strikes out swinging. That's a big accomplishment there. Thompson and flies out to center, and Target grounds out to second. All right, bottom of second, Stig gets on the board. Kellum Clark flies out to center field, and then Alford homers to left center. Makes it a one-nothing ball game. Hancock flies out to left. Larry flies out to left. And again, a lot of balls in the air. It was windy, but uh, it was blowing the wrong direction. Top of third. Boss singles up the middle, and then Minich pops up to short, and Kofer flies out to center. So you think we're going to get around this leadoff single. And then Haas betrays us, our friend. Two-run home run makes a 2-1 ball game. And then Moss strikes out swinging. And uh, that's on a full count, too. It is. And you're trying to get out of it. You're trying to make a pitch, get out of the inning, and he gets us. All right, bottom of third. It's a 2-1 ball game in favor of the Aggies. Heifel strikes out swinging. Marshawn strikes out swinging. Led better and gets an infield single and uh, goes to second on the failed pickoff attempt. And there was, that was a terrible effort right there uh, by A&M. Hines and strikes out swinging and still 2-1 ball game. Top of four, A&M tacks onto the lead and then some. By the time this inning was over, many of you were looking for something else to do with your Saturday. Werner homers to center field and Lavalette has walked, goes to second on the pass ball. Thompson's been hit by the pitch. Targak singles to center. Bases are loaded. We bring in Cole Cheatham in place of Gerangelo. It's a 3-1 ball game. We get Boss to strike out swinging. You're thinking, okay, well now we're a pitch away from getting out of this thing. But instead, it's a grand slam. It's now 7-1. Grand slams are tough to overcome. Koffer doubles to right center. It goes to third on a wild pitch. And then Haas reaches on a fielder's choice. Run scores. We throw home. Just not a good effort there. Moss singles to left. It's 8-1 at this point. Warner flies out to right. Sack fly there makes it 9-1. Lavalette singles to the left side. Bring it Evans to the area, and he's able to get Thompson out to ground out on the fielder's choice. So it's 9-1. 
and you, you want to say, hey, there's plenty of ball game left. And I'm thinking, you know what? By the time we get to the seventh, this is probably going to be a 10-run rule. This is how we'll end the season. That's how it felt. Bottom of four, DJ strikes out swinging. Kellum strikes out swinging. Then offered grounds to short. Top of five, Targak strikes out swinging. Boss flies out to left. Minute strikes out swinging. So nice effort there from Sierra. Bottom of five, you just feel like, can we just start chipping away a little bit? Can we just start maybe getting an opportunity here? We start subbing here. Hancock lines out the second. Will Hall pitch hints for uh, Amani Larry. Doubles down the uh, left field line. Hey, it's good to see something happen for Will Hall. A lot of people tell you he's the best teammate on the team. It's good to see him get a chance. Final game of Duty Noble Field to go out there and do some good things. Heifel then works it for a walk. Uh, Lane Forsythe uh, grounds out to short. They force a runner at second. Now runners on the corners. I guess it was, yeah, Will Hull was thrown out at third. Excuse me. And then Heifel goes third on a wild pitch. Ledbetter walks. Bases are loaded here. Chance for us to get back in it. Connor Hazak pinch hits for uh, Colton Ledbetter. And, uh, or excuse me, pinch ram. And then Hunter Hines a chance here. Hit a grand slam here. It's another ball game, but uh, it ends up being a fly out to left on full count. Missed opportunity for us, for sure. Our right, top six, a lot of changes for the Bulldogs. We bring in Parker Stinnett in place of Evan Sierra. He gets Coffer to strike out swinging, Haas to strike out swinging, Moss in singles to the left side, and Werner homers. It's now 11 to 1. Top of six. You start thinking we're six outs away for being 10 run ruled in a regular season finale. Lava left and strikes out swinging. So, hey, you strike out the side, but you give up two runs. Bottom of six, state shows there's still some fight. And even though we didn't win the ball game and the season's over, I'd much rather have ended it like this than what it looked like for a while. DJ singles up the middle. Kellum Clark and singles to right field. Um, they misplayed the ball there. DJ takes third. Offered in singles to right, and the run is in. Two runs are in, 11-3. Hancock then singles to right. Offer goes to third. And it will hole again. Singles to center field, drives in a run, makes it 11-4 ball game. Heifel then walks. Bases are loaded. Chance for us again to climb back in this thing. Uh, Lane strikes out looking. And then Hyzak fly out to left field. Hit it pretty well, but not well enough. Ends up being an RBI sack fly, 11-5 there. The ball gets down. It's a different conversation. Bryce Chance pitch hits for Hunter Hines, and then he singles back up the middle. And the very first pitch he sees, and a run scores. 11-6. Chance goes second on the wild pitch, and then DJ strikes out swinging. But 11-6, you start thinking, hey, five runs. Maybe we can make it up. Our right, top of seven. A&M not quite ready to be done. Uh, Graham Eintema comes in. First thing we do is we hit Thompson with the pitch. Targak then lines out to center field. Thompson's still second. Uh, we had him picked off, and, and uh, Lucas didn't make a good throw second. Uh, Boss lines out the center. Thompson tags, takes third. Mendick singles to the right side. Run scores 12-6. They get one of those runs back. Crawford and singles to left, and then Haas lines out to left center. And again, you know, the run that scores, the first guy we hit. I, 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 sometimes I think I'd love to run the numbers on that, but no, I wouldn't. I wouldn't want to run the numbers on that. Bottom of seven, State, again, kind of inching back in this thing. Calum Clark walks, really good at bat here. 
Sweet offer doubles to left center. Kellum comes around to score. It's 12-7. Hancock grounds to third. Then Will Hull, again, singles to left center. And then Slade Offer comes in to score, makes it 12-8. And then Ross Highfield grounds into a double play. And you'd like to have been able to keep it going there just a little bit because it felt like that we were getting to Stewart. Top of eight. Needed a clean inning here. We didn't get one. Moss singles to left, wandered in walks, and Lavalette singles to right. Bases loaded to so the first three guys in the inning against Aitama. Tyson Harden comes in, and the first guy he sees, he hits with a pitch, forces in a run. Target grounds out to third, run scores, 14-8. Boss reaches on a fielding error by the shortstop. We bring the infield in, ground ball just to uh, lanes right. Can't field it clean, run scores. Wild pitch, everybody's moving. Then we get Minnick to strike out looking and Crawford to strikes out looking, but it's 15-8. At this point, the game is over. 12-8, you start thinking you got a chance. Bottom of eight, Forsyth strikes out swinging. Hyzak then doubles to right center. Chance strikes out swinging, and then DJ hits a home run to center field to make it a 15-10 ball game. Man, if it was 12-10, you'd felt a whole lot better about our prospects, right? You got to get clean innings. It's the story of our season. Clark grounds out to the pitcher. Top of nine, Haas flies out to center. Moss singles to short. Werner then strikes out looking. Lavalette is walked. And then Thompson strikes out swinging. So we go into the ninth, down five. Chance to walk it off. Yeah. Offered strikes out swinging. Hancock grounds out the short. Nice ovation for Luke. Luke has been unfairly maligned at times this year. You know, and Luke, at the end of the day, Luke is not a star player. He's not. We love Luke. Luke was instrumental to us winning an AFL championship, but he didn't have to come back this year, but he did. He came back try to help us ride the ship. I'll be forever be indebted to Luke Hancock for his career at Mississippi State. And But Luke's, you know, he's a, he's a part of the puzzle. He's not the cornerstone. He's not the corner piece. He's just a piece of things. And a lot of people expected him to be Tanner Allen. That's just not who he is. Will Hall strikes out swinging. And uh, that's a ball game. We lose 15-10. That's a ball game, a series, and a season. And, again, we lost both on uh, in game two. We had game two. We had it. And we blew it. We had many opportunities in that game. We didn't take care of business. And that's how it works. When you, when you don't make the plays and they do, you lose. You don't need anybody's expert opinion to understand that. All right, look at the numbers here. Gerangelo uh, gets tagged with the loss. Three innings pitch, four hits, six runs. 60 pitches. Cole Cheatham goes two-thirds of an inning, four hits, three runs. Two of them earned, one strikeout. Evan Sierra, nice outing for him. One and a third, two strikeouts, no hits, no runs, no walks. No runners allowed. Parker Stinnett, uh, an inning in what should be his final appearance at Duty Noble Field, goes an inning, gives up a two-run tank. Three strikeouts, no walks. Graham Einzema, uh, which could be his final one. I don't know. Uh, One inning pitch, four hits, four runs, one walk, and a hit by pitch. Tyson Harding. Two innings pitch, one hit, no runs, uh, one walk, four strikeouts. And that was the thing, too. It's like a lot of people were talking about Tyson Harding. He actually pitched pretty well. Damage was already done by the time Tyson Harding got in the ballgame. Comes in bases, let nobody out. Nevertheless, uh, that's it. You know, you're, you're hitting heroes in the ballgame. Colton Ledbetter, two for two in his final appearance during the field. Connor Heisek, one for one. Bryce Chance, one for two. Dakota, two for five. 
But Will Holt, three for four with two RBI. Slade Offer had a big game day two, three for five, four RBI, three runs scored as well. Um, I, I, I just be, I just wish Slade could kind of get this thing figured out consistently. I, I do. It'd be great for us and for him. So Mississippi State finishes the year twenty-seven and twenty-six. It's a winning year. Let's call the paper. I, I'm 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 salty about all this. I am. You know, again, you you blow it on Friday, and then Saturday, you know, it's it's academic once the LSU game goes final. But that's the thing: you you win on Friday, you at least give yourself a chance on Saturday. Saturday, you needed too many things to go right for you, and not enough of them did. Mainly winning the ball game. But at the end of the day, the season's over. It's done. It's frustrating, like all of you. Very, very, very frustrated. All right, time for today's top ten list is always brought to you by CloseWithBlair.com. That's C-L-O-S-E with Blair, B-L-A-I-R.com. Blair is a mortgage professional. Blair is a guy that gets things done. Uh, 22 years of experience in the industry, back to back to back, top 1% close ratio percentage in the country. How about that? Having one of the nation's best championing your cause for the mortgage. How outstanding would that be? I mean, you can pick and choose whoever you want to go with, but why would you pick anybody else when you got a guy that's got that kind of track record? Works for Fairway Mortgage, recently voted number one in customer satisfaction when it comes to mortgage origination. Uh, give Blair a call or text today at 601-500-2344. Again, that's 601-500-2344. And let him know you heard about him on the Boneyard. You'll be glad you did. Blair's going to take care of things. Blair will get you, if at all possible, to the closing table. A lot of people want your business. Blair's earned it. He has. When you've got somebody with that extensive experience, they have seen it all and done it all. You're not going to have anything pop up it's going to surprise him or disappoint him. He's going to be your advocate with underwriting. Again, it's closedblair.com. All right, got a couple messages over the weekend after a bad omen show. Uh, one of our regular contributors to the top 10 list said, Hey, Steve, I'm going to see bad omens in June. I'm even more pumped now after hearing you talk about them. It was incredible. Had somebody else reach out to me and say, Hey, Steve, I've never even heard of bad omens. I like the top 10 list. Uh, can you give me another cool band, a band you really like? So here we are. We're going to go with Escape to Fate. That's our band. I've seen them live, met these guys, um, met them at the, uh, down in South Louisiana to show. Really good. They really perform well. A lot of range with this band. Uh, many of you know the band Falling in Reverse. They had the number one rock song in America last year uh, with Popular Monster. Ronnie Radke was the original lead singer in Escape to Fate. Now Craig is. So Ronnie Radke is dismissed from the band because he got in some legal trouble. They hired Craig. The band moved forward, and Ronnie got back out, started um, a new band. So there you go. So Escape to Fate, we're, we're going to just stick with the Craig catalog. I, I don't have a lot of uh, Ronnie Radke stuff here, but if you, if, you, if you like Ronnie, go back and listen to those, uh, the first Escape to Fate album. All right, Escape to Fate dropped a new single here about uh, six weeks ago, eight weeks ago. New track called Low. That's your number 10 song today, Low. It's very aggressive. It, um, it's even got a little punk elements to it. 
Uh, it's a great track. It really is. Number nine, much different than Low. It's a song called uh, Breaking Me Down. It's, it's a bit of a ballad, but it's not like a power ballad. It's one of these songs that, um, you know, really just kind of talks about you know, kind of what's happening, you know, in love and relationships and things of that nature. There is uh, a lot of good stuff on that song, and it's from the Hate Me album that was released in 2015. So Breaking Me Down, a bit of a deeper cut. I dig it. Number eight, also from the Hate Me album, it's the, uh, the roller coaster that is alive. Love this track. Uh, very aggressive guitar played on this one. This is, an, again, very up-tempo, really kind of in your face. Number seven, off of the Chemical Warfare album that was released in 2021. Uh, this is an interesting album. My favorite song on this album is your number seven song. And there's a name you know that sat in on drums. No, it's not Dave Grohl. It's not Tommy Lee. It's Travis Barker. You know I'm not a Blink-182 guy. I respect Travis Barker, for sure. The name of the track is Not My Problem. It's kind of a, a matter of fact, I wrote the randoms on Facebook to that song today. Not My Problem is basically like, you got all these problems in your life, that, that's cool, but it's not mine. It's not my issue. I can't make the whole world's problems mine. You got your own issues. I got my own stuff to deal with. I can't go out there and be a part of all this. So Not My Problem, number seven. Number six uh, again, another ballad here, and uh, very, very popular song when it was released. It's off the uh, Ungrateful album, which is my favorite of the Escape to Fate albums. A track called uh, Picture Perfect, and uh, it's about losing somebody. You know, you lose somebody, they die. You had to die to show me how to live. You know, it's about losing somebody you love and then having some perspective kind of moving forward. And uh, it's kind of a heartbreaking song. The chorus itself is uh, it's just one of those songs that there's a lot of emotion in it. It's not You can tell this is not just a song that was just written kind of willy-nilly. There's obviously a personal connection to the track. All right, so no more ballads the rest of the way. But we do have one that's a little bit poppy a little bit later. But number five, an absolutely electric song. I could have had this one higher on the list. I could have talked myself into this one, but I, uh, there are so many favorites in this band. I had to find the right place for this one, and I'm, I went with number five. Maybe I've kind of second-guessed myself. Maybe it could have been four, but it's number five. It's a track called Gorgeous Nightmare. And, of course, it's about an ex, you know, somebody that looks so great. They got so much going for them, or so you think, and you get to know under the surface, and they're really not at all what they appear to be. You know, beauty's only skin deep, as they say. And uh, she was riding to the core. So she's a gorgeous nightmare. You think it's a dream? It's not. Great track. And we've all been there at some point. Number four, another one that I really like, and uh, this was a hit for them. It's off the I Am Human album, the second track, and uh, the lead single on this album, too. Uh, it was released back in 2018. And uh, again, this is a little more poppy. It's more upbeat. But it, it, the song itself, the lyrics are a little bit, I, I wouldn't say depressing, but it doesn't necessarily match the song. The song is so upbeat and happy. It, it's kind of got, in that respect, it's kind of a Gin Blossoms thing, even though musically they're not the same. But it's like you've got this poppy song and you've got this really kind of sad lyrical content. It's a song called Broken Heart. And it's like, you know, take my broken heart with you. You know, I don't need it anymore. 
I love the song, though, even though I'm not brokenhearted. All right, number three. This, at times, has been my favorite Escape the Fate song. I love the guitar on it. I love the percussion. I love the attitude. I've said before, we should probably play the edited version of the song at Davis Wade Stadium. I would. And if I was the DJ at, at Davis Wade or Duty Noble, I'd be turning you guys on so much rock music, you wouldn't even be able to stand it. Before you know it, by the middle of the year, everybody's growing their hair out, right, getting tattoos. We'll put some hair on your chest. But uh, it's one for the money. Absolutely love this song. And again, that's off the, uh, that's off the Ungrateful album, again, I, which I think has kind of been their peak. It's a great one. Now, there's some language in this one. Let me prepare you for that. There is some language. But this is one of those songs that's best played at high volume. It's one for the money. Number two, this is one, this is from the Escape to Fate uh, uh, self-titled album. It's uh, Issues. And I think it's one of the best vocal performances that Craig has had since he's been with the band. I think you'll dig it a lot. And um, I loved the elongated chorus. I like how it's like a lot of songs are verse, 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 and then like a little, you know, chord change and then we throw in the chorus this one the chorus itself really carries the song that's how it should be in my estimation a lot of modern rock is much different than that it just kind of becomes a yell fest but this is a song i think the composition's really good but number one i absolutely love it man i do and it's one of those songs too that once you turn it on it really 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 gets you going it's one of these songs, man, that it's like you turn on the radio and you turn up the volume and next thing you know, you're gritting your teeth and driving fast and it's a track called You're Insane because I'm not the reason that you're insane. Again, it's about you know somebody that's come in your life, basically a tourist in your life and just uh, tried to cause havoc. And it's like, you know, I'm, I'm done with you and... Um, you're crazy, but it's not because of me. You were crazy when you got here, and you'll be crazy when you're gone. I absolutely love this band. Um, again, I met these guys down in uh, Lafayette, Louisiana, and uh, they're really down to earth. Uh, they kind of got into it with some of the fans there, a couple fans there being a little bit unruly, and this is one of those bands, too, that uh, not just going to err on the side of professionalism, right? They'll call you out, so... Uh, that's that's the joy of playing small clubs, right? But again, Escape to Fate, a great band. They uh, had a lead guitar player that was absolutely outstanding. And then all of a sudden, when they released uh, the album, the Ungrateful album, uh, he decided he didn't want to tour. And so they had to go out and find replacements and uh, move some guys around. But the but the show went on. And there are a lot of people nowadays, man. That, you know, people get you know anything that happens. You know, somebody's feelings get hurt. They want to cancel a show. I give Escape to Fate a lot of credit. This is a band that stays on the road. This is a band that does a good job getting out there and getting their music in front of people. So if you're unfamiliar with Escape to Fate, they are very much an aggressive rock band. At times they uh, do some yelling, but more times than not, it's kind of more melodic. But uh, a lot of diversity in the catalog. I encourage you to check them out. You'll be glad you did. Escape to Fate at your top 10 list for today. If you have ideas for the top 10 list, reach out and let me know. The best way to do that is find me on all forms of social media at ScoutSteveR. You can find Roy, the keeper of the list, 
Roy does so much for me and, and asks for nothing in return other than my friendship. I'm very appreciative of that. Uh, puts these lists together on Spotify because he loves music. He loves the fact that I turn him on to a lot of music he's unfamiliar with. And uh, he wants to share that with you. It was all his idea to put these lists on Spotify. You can find him on Twitter and Spotify at Dogmatic67. That's D-A-W-G-M-A-T-I-C-6-7. Be sure and give him a follow. You'll be glad you did. All right, next segment of the show brought to you by Campus Bookmart, a Stark Billion institution. Campus Bookmart, the only place to go pick up Mississippi State merchandise. The best place. A lot of people peddle Mississippi State merch. But here's the deal. You're supporting a Starkville business. You're supporting other Bulldogs by working with Campus Bookmark. That's the simple truth of the matter. These are the people that uh, ride the same wave you do. When we lose, they feel it too. When we win, they celebrate alongside of us. A lot of other people you know, have some faraway home office that's not invested in your community. Campus Bookmark is. If you can't visit them in person, check them out on the World Wide Web at campusbookmart.net. And by being a loyal Boneyard listener, we'll give you a phrase that pays. That is BSR, which stands for Beautiful Steve Robertson. That gets you free shipping on all orders over 75 bucks. Any order less than 75 bones, absolutely incomplete. It's football season now, too. You need to be thinking about that, Mom, Dad. Be thinking about outfitting the family in brand-new Mississippi State merch this summer. Go ahead and beat the rush. Go ahead and take advantage of uh, some summer sales at Campus Bookmart. Again, that's campusbookmart.net, promo code BSR. All right, while we've been together here, the SEC has announced its all-SEC teams. All right, we're going to run these down for you real quick here. Had a couple Bulldogs named uh, Dave Van Horn, named the uh, SEC Coach of the Year. That's to be expected, considering the fact that uh, the injuries they've had, and here they are now in the middle of uh, another run. Prop- Arkansas could win an Eiffel Championship. They're a tough team. Uh, LSU's Dylan Cruz named the SEC Player of the Year. LSU's Paul Skeens, the SEC Pitcher of the Year. No surprise with really either one. Uh, Georgia's Charlie Condon is your SEC Freshman of the Year. Alabama's Andrew Pickney and Georgia's Ben Anderson are your co-SEC Scholar-Athletes of the Year. Uh, so looking down the list here, uh, we talked about all the player of the year. Ben Anderson, yeah, from Georgia. He's in there. All right, first team All-SEC catcher, our friend Cole Messina from South Carolina. You recall he's the one that uh, was struck out. We didn't get a call. The next pitch was a two-run home run. Cost us a ball game. Uh, Jack Caglioni. From Florida, your first baseman. Cade Kirkland from Florida, your second baseman. Tommy Tanks, White, your third baseman. Shortstop, Josh Rivera from Florida. In the outfield, it's Dylan Cruz from LSU. Wyatt Langford from Florida. Ethan Petrie from South Carolina. Uh, one of the more impressive freshman hitters we've had in many years. Uh, Paul Skeens, Hagan Smith from Arkansas. Brandon Ely from Florida. And then Hunter Hines, your DH utility player from Mississippi State. A first-team All-SEC pick. Time to update the graphic. Second team All-SEC catchers, Calvin Harris from Ole Miss. Charlie Condon from Georgia is your first baseman. Emilian Petrie from Kentucky, your second baseman. Luke Mann from Missouri is at third. Bryson Ware from Auburn also a tie at third. Jacob Gonzalez from Ole Miss, second team All-SEC shortstop. Kemp Alderman of Ole Miss, who won the Connerly, excuse me, the Ferris Trophy today, makes the second team outfield. 
uh, designation. And Ricky Bradfield from Vanderbilt, second team. Andrew Pickney from Alabama, second team. A tie with Jared Dickey from Tennessee. Starting pitcher Devin Futrell from Vanderbilt, Brandon Sproach from Florida, and Nick Maldonado, a reliever. I'm really glad he's leaving. And then Kendall Diggs from Arkansas, one of my favorite players in the league. Love watching the kid play. The freshman All-SEC team, Charlie Condon from Georgia, Ethan Petrie, South Carolina, Ike Irish from Auburn, their leading hitter this year, pretty crazy, Cade Kirkland from Florida, Colby Shelton from Alabama, Jared Jones from LSU, be a first baseman for a while there, Jace Lavalette, who killed us this weekend from A&M, Alton Davis II from Alabama, Dakota Jordan from Mississippi State, Gage Wood from Arkansas, R.J. Austin from Vanderbilt, and Luke Heyman from Florida. So a couple of Bulldogs we're expected to have back next year uh, earned All-SEC designation. Your All-SEC defensive team, Fernando Gonzalez from Georgia is the catcher, Drew Williamson from Alabama, a first base tie with Hunter Gilliam from Kentucky, Emilian Petrie from Kentucky, your second baseman, Davis Diaz from Vanderbilt, third base, Jim Jarvis from Alabama, the shortstop, and Ricky Bradfield from Vanderbilt, Dylan Cruz from LSU, Tavian Josenberg from Arkansas, and Kaysen Howell from Auburn are your outfielders. And Hagen Smith, the pitcher. So there you go. It's all done. It's all out there. It's over. And uh, everybody else will be heading to Hoover. I will not be. And it stinks. It sucks. I hate not being able to go. And it's not because of my personal entertainment value. I can find things to do. I can get caught up on Netflix. I can... Uh, Start preparing for uh, the football recruiting camps. Familiarize myself with some of the guys that are going to be coming in. Watch some film, that sort of stuff. We can do all that stuff. But the bottom line is we're not playing baseball anymore. And so a lot of people have said, Steve, what do you think is going to happen? Well, I think Chris Simonos is back for at least another year. I think Chris gets another year to write the ship. I talked about it on the show. I knew there would be an unpopular opinion. And it's one of those things, too. I'm not just necessarily sharing what I think. I'm sharing what I've been told uh, I do think, of course, uh, the way we played the final two weekends is important. That does not erase the disappointment of the last two years. Like all of you, I am unhappy with the current status of our baseball program. I am. But I do think the, the closest path home is to give them on us another year. And many of you say, you know what, Steve, I just disagree. And that's okay. That is completely fine. Uh, I'm, I'm share in your hesitation and your reluctance because the last thing that I want to do is be sitting here next year uh, talking about how we fired a coach and we've got to go uh, conduct a coaching search because we've had a third consecutive terrible season. We do baseball well here at Mississippi State. We do. And the one thing that gets us uncomfortable is the fact that we're going to have to um, endure another postseason and us not be a part of it. That's the thing this year. I think everybody would agree at the beginning of the year, if we had just made a regional somewhere, you'd feel like, hey, we've gotten some things in a much better situation. We're in a much better place just by making the postseason. We got the Hoover, we got a regional. You'd feel like, you know what, okay, listen, it's not what I wanted, but it's better than it was, right? It had been a step in the right direction. We made about a half step in the right direction, about a half step. Not enough. And, yes, it's frustrating. It absolutely is. And uh, even though it's like at the end of the year, it's like, you know, we're we're watching scoreboards and we're just trying to get to Hoover. And sometimes I'd ask myself, you know, what what are we doing here? 
what are, what are we doing? I mean, we, we all just want to keep playing, right? Because if you get to Hoover, anything can happen. We didn't expect to go to Hoover and to win. But you were beginning to think kind of, you know, bargaining with ourselves. Well, if we at least make Hoover, that's something. That's something. But we didn't. We didn't. And we're so reliant on other people. Everybody else is playing for a conference championship. You had four teams the final weekend playing for a championship, and they're, they're trying to lock up a number one seed in the SEC tournament and a potential top eight national seed. And that was us. That was us. And it's like there's nothing to be excited about. Now, many of you don't follow baseball recruiting. We got a, an incredible class coming in. We, we signed an incredible class this year. The problem that I have is, you know, why do we have to be so reliant on freshmen? Hunter Hines, of course, uh, not a freshman. And uh, we need to do what we need to do to keep him here. And that probably involves some NIL money. And listen, Hunter wants to be here. Okay, Hunter's a bulldog. He wants to be here. But, you know, we got to do what we got to do. We got to show him that we love him. We got to give him some appreciation. Probably the same thing for Dakota Jordan. If I had to call it today, I think the bulk of those guys are back. There are some other guys out there. I mean, I won't be the least bit surprised if Lane Forsyth leaves because I think we can all see David Mershon has taken that position. I do think that Mershon will likely slot over to second base next year because I think Dylan Cup, and I, I hear that he's coming to school. And of course, some of that could be pre-draft negotiations. Could be smoke. You put that out there, and it's like, hey. I'm going to school just to kind of drive up the, uh, the bargaining power. Maybe that's the case. I'm told it's not. Aiden Smith's a guy, too, that's considered to be one of the top outfielders in the country. I hear he's leaning towards coming to school. You get those guys in, you hit the portal hard, because we got to go get a third baseman. I, I, I do think Slade Offord is going to move on. I'll be surprised if he's back. Let's just say it that way. I'll be surprised if Slade is back. And, uh, yeah, Slade swung a pretty good bat this past weekend. Wish him the best, but, uh, you know, when you begin to look at the numbers here, uh, can you justify keeping him in the lineup when you consider you know, the defensive issues that we had? And at Mississippi State, we have not had a big-time third baseman in a long time. A long time. And that's got to change. And so we have got to be the most bullish we can possibly be when it comes to third base. And you remember, you know, Slate missed some time. Uh, and then we put Lane in the ball game this weekend and uh, you know, had some other defensive issues. Lane Forsythe was outstanding last year defensively. He was good in the second half of 2021. He made 15 errors this year, 15. To kind of put that in perspective, David Mershon had 76 chances and made eight errors as a freshman, and many of those errors came – uh, in the first couple of ball, couple couple of weeks, and some of those came at third base, a position that he's not really as comfortable with. Slade Offord had 13 errors. Nobody else had double-digit errors. Mershon was actually third, and you can kind of tolerate some of that because, again, he's a freshman. Amani Larry had six errors and 171 chances. Amani's probably the guy that'll sign. You know, I, I've been told some people are on the fence about him because you know. Arm-wise, he doesn't have the strongest arm, so he's kind of limited position-wise. But he is an incredible athlete. Uh, got a little pop in the bat. And a guy that can run the bases, obviously. Comes from uh, a strong baseball pedigree. Uh, but he may have a decision to make. But I do feel like if he gets drafted, he's probably going to go. I mean, you lose all your leverage if you come back. He does have a year of eligibility left. Uh, Colton Ladbetter had four errors this year and 118 chances. 
And I think every single one of them, uh, well, with one exception, one time uh, he got run into, another time, uh, three times he just overran the ball, you know, line drive in the center, and he just overruns it. Uh, but Colton's a guy that are, a lot of people believe could get some pre-draft workout buzz to get himself into the first round. But he's absolutely going to go. He'll be drafted first or second round, no later than the third. And uh, Colton is what we call toolsy, right? He's not a plus defender. He is a good defender and showed some flashes this year. But he is a guy, too, that they believe uh, could probably be a left fielder and hit for average, hit for power, and run the bases. Uh, got, you know, g- g- good to really good glove, uh, good arm, but uh, probably relegated to left field. Uh, could be a center fielder in some programs, but uh, we appreciate everything Colton Ledbetter's done for us this year, for sure. Luke Hancock, of course, his eligibility is up. I don't expect Luke to get drafted. He'll probably get to go to camp with somebody, at least kind of keep the dream alive a little bit. And again, very appreciative of everything Luke Hancock has done for us. Hunter Hines, even though he's been here two years, is not draft eligible. Got another year to go. Connor Hyzak is draft eligible, and uh, it'll be interesting to see what happens with him, just because of the fact you know, Connor had big numbers at VCU. And, you know, those area scouts, you know, kind of follow these guys. And uh, he may be a guy that's willing to sign late, even though he didn't play an awful lot for us this year. So it'll be interesting to see. He does have a year of eligibility left. Will he like to come back? I think the only way he's back is if he's undrafted. And that's a real possibility. So we'll see. Uh, Will Hoyle, of course, uh, good locker room guy for us. You know, he's uh, – Closely connected with the Mangum family. So, you know, we, we wish them the best. Kind of feel like he's kind of a cousin. Uh, Nate Dome is not draft eligible. We exp- he'll be back next year. KC Hunt, in some respects, you could say KC may have should have signed last year. It was a big deal last year when KC elected to come back. He had some injuries again this year, but uh, had some big moments for us down the stretch. Struggled at times with consistency, but KC is a guy that <clears throat> we do expect to sign. Colby Holcomb is not draft eligible. Kellum Clark, I feel confident he will sign. Uh, Kellum actually projects really well and has really improved defensively uh, this season. Uh, you're really comfortable with him out there in right field. I mean, he, he makes the plays he's supposed to make and then makes some others that you're kind of surprised he does make because he is so competitive. But, uh, you know, Kellum is a guy that I feel like has had a good enough year that he's proven himself on the college level. I don't expect him back. Bryce Chance, not draft eligible. I think he's another year. Uh, not that I would expect him to get drafted, but uh, nevertheless, uh, he'll be back. Cade Smith's a guy, too, we do expect to get drafted and likely will sign. Uh, Cade's a guy, too, that, uh, you know, I guess could conceivably come back and you would expect him to uh, take a jump next year. But, uh, you know, we'll see how things go. But I do expect if Cade is drafted in a decent position, he is going to sign. I don't think he's going to sign for peanuts, but I think if he gets an opportunity, uh, he will go. And there are some people out there that believe – that he will get drafted high enough to go. Uh, Landon Gartman, not sure exactly what Landon's plans are. He does have a, a year left, but this is a guy that's married. I think he's already got his college degree and was working on an advanced degree. I think that's right. Uh, but he, he's a guy that has some eligibility left. Does he come back? I don't know. I don't expect him to get drafted. Aaron Nixon's a guy we do expect to get drafted much later. You know, relievers typically don't go early in drafts, but I'm told he would like to sign. Uh, so we'll see how things go. But uh, So your roster is going to look a little different next year. You're going to have some guys hit the portal. And that's probably a good thing for them and for us. You know, we've got to open up some scholarship spots, and we've got to have some guys, uh, you know, come in here and provide some competition. And I've, I've said it for two years now. 
Yeah, and, and again, guys don't sign themselves, right? But we have some guys here that aren't good enough to play here. Let's just call it for what it is. We have some guys that are not going to get us closer to Arkansas and LSU. Period. Now you say, well, you know, Steve, they're good kids. Yeah, it's true. And uh, you can invite them to come play on your church league softball team here in a few years. But the reality of it is, is this is a program where the expectations are great. And it's not just, you know, it's not one of these things where we just say it to be saying it. You know, we expect to compete for championships. We expect to compete for top eight national seeds. And any player that we sign that doesn't get us closer to that is a guy we shouldn't sign. You know, we shouldn't have to go get the scratch and dent kit. There's some guys out there, obviously, that, that fit your system and fit your culture. You'll take a chance on because you believe in them. But we've got to be recruiting on the same level as LSU and Arkansas. And on the high school standpoint, we are. We are. But we got to get guys in and get them developed. And that's really the big thing now is, you know, what are we going to do with uh, the pitching coach situation? Now, earlier today, Mike Nemeth posted our first pitching coach hot board at jeanspage.com. That is available uh, for jeanspage.com subscribers, and we will update that as we go through. We have spent a lot of time and effort uh, putting this thing together and working the phones to try to get some information for you guys. Um, that's an important aspect of this thing for us. We want to make sure we're providing you with quality information. And reality of it is, is that um, that's not always the case. You know, these things are often very guarded. And so we work and work and work and work and work and do the best we can to kind of figure these things out. So I'm going to give you a couple names here um, just because some, some things on our list. Now, Kyle Bond is a guy that uh, coached with Lamonis, and uh, he's a guy that's been around this conference a long time. Was an assistant coach at Ole Miss, Clemson, Alabama, East Tennessee State, Indiana, from 15 to 18. And uh, that was the thing. When Lamonis got ready to come, people thought he would bring Bun with him. He didn't. He went out and hired Scott Foxhall. So you begin to wonder, uh, kind of where do things stand now? And he left and got a job at Middle Tennessee State and then is currently at the University of Houston. Lamonis knows Bun well. He promoted him to be a pitching coach at Indiana. And so you begin to ask yourself, okay, because he knows him well, is that a good or a bad thing for Kyle Bunn? Does Lamontis think, hey, I know this guy, I can trust him, and under the circumstances he'll come with all this uncertainty about the future. I know that he's going to come. I don't think it's going to be him. I do think that he's a guy that you'll talk to. I don't think it'll ultimately be him. I think it's important to, to kind of understand too. Uh, kind of looking down the list here. Uh, Jason Jackson at Alabama. A lot of people have said that he would be a good candidate. I continue to hear that he is in a good position to be elevated to be the head coach at Alabama. What have they won seven in the last nine in SEC play? Uh, and from what I understand, he has not been approached, and nor should he be considering what's happening right now. Uh, Alabama's eight and two, eight and two since he took over as a head coach. But uh, that's a name, obviously, that will get some play. Ultimately, I don't think it's going to be him. Corey Mascara has got, arguably right now, maybe the hottest name in the country when it comes to, uh, to pitching coaches. A lot of people believe that he is going to be in the mix for some head coaching positions. I suspect that's the case. I don't know what his uh, career aspirations are. But this is a guy, obviously, that um, is a name that's on the rise. 
That's an important thing to remember. That's a name that's on the rise. You know, Ostrander was a guy, too, that was uh, on the list here about a week ago. And then uh, Barry announces his retirement, and then uh, Ostrander is elevated. And that was the discussion we were down in Baton Rouge talking to some people in college baseball circles that told me, I said, hey, uh, Ostrander's a guy that I know that uh, Lamonis has some interest in. And why wouldn't he, right? But it was kind of understood that Ostrander was the coach in waiting at Southern Miss. We just didn't know how long he'd have to wait. My argument was, is, well, you know, Southern Miss would still hire him. You know, like if he left and went to Mississippi State for two to three years, they certainly would hire him back. Absolutely they would. But uh, now he's the head coach of Southern Miss. So best of luck uh, to Coach Eyes and the Golden Eagles down there. Uh, and congratulations to Coach Barry, man, on a great career. Did some amazing things uh, at Southern Miss and uh, has made them one of the top mid-major programs in the country. Now, a name that I've been hearing for some time, probably within – I don't know, 24 hours of me first hearing that Scott Foxhall would not be retained. We just didn't know when we were going to pull the trigger. But the name that's been passed along to me by a couple people that I trust is Rob Walton. He is an older guy. I understand he doesn't really have a lot of head coaching aspirations. He's currently the pitching coach at Oklahoma State. A lot of things about him that makes a lot of sense. And you've got to begin to wonder, too, why would he want to make a move? I don't know. I don't know why he would want to make a move, but I have had some people tell me that he is a guy that is willing to make the move for the right opportunity, and that Mississippi State could certainly be one of those. So Rob Walton's a guy, again, 32 All-Big 12 pitchers and four All-Americans. And he's had 31 pitchers that have been selected in the Major League Baseball draft uh, during his 10 years there at Stillwater. So – don't know the connection, but I understand there is a connection. And we'll work to try to figure that out for you. But that's a name to kind of remember as we move forward. Rob Walton, the pitching coach at Oklahoma State. Not sure how serious it is right now, but one of the things that I've been told is that this pitching coach search is more advanced than maybe people realize. That uh, there have already been some discussions. There just hasn't been uh, – you know, a formal offer made to anybody because, you know, hey, they're still under contract, right? Still under contract, their teams are still playing. In Oklahoma State, they just won a Big 12. So they may be playing for a while. So it's one of those things, too, that is probably understood. But the reality of it is, is we got to keep getting finished up here. But I don't think this is something that will linger long. I think as soon as our preferred candidate, as soon as their season is over, we will make an announcement. I think it'll come very quickly, probably within 24 to 36 hours of their team being eliminated from the NCAA tournament. Uh, and there'll probably be some things that'll leak out. You know, we'll do our part, but of course, at the same time too, we want to do what we can to protect the integrity of the search. You also don't want to put, uh, you know, a coach in a negative light. You know, your future pitching coach, if he's out there, you know, working for his team, you don't want it to be a distraction. So I, I expect Chris Simonis to really be very careful and very deliberate in what he does and uh, not let things leak out because you don't want to get the relationship off on the negative foot. But uh, Walton, again, is a name that I have heard, I guess for the better part of uh, three weeks, probably since we got back from um, Auburn. I had some people tell me this is a name to watch because you know, when we got back from Auburn, I was on the way back Sunday evening from Auburn, and I had somebody tell me that I trust Hey, don't be surprised if Fox is let go this week. 
and that was in advance of us going to Tennessee, and then it happens a week later. And that same person is the one that told me, Walton's a name uh, to remember. And again, there are some people aligned with Mississippi State that have a connection to Walton. So that, that's, again, a, a name of intrigue and interest as we get kind of moving forward here. But uh, again, I, while the names are relatively new to you guys, I don't think this search is in its infancy by any stretch of the imagination. I think it's thing is pretty close to being done. There may be an agreement in principle, maybe a handshake deal, maybe a nod and a wink. I don't think this is something that's going to be a prolonged search because of the fact the portal's about to open. We're going to have to be able to tell the pitchers that we're recruiting who their pitching coach is going to be. It's a big part of it. There's probably nothing more – there's probably nothing more – no relationship in all of college baseball or in the sport of baseball that matters more than the pitching coach and the pitcher. Right? Those are the guys that, you know, you tweak your mechanics, you work on different things like that to kind of improve your, your standing. It's a little bit different. Hitting coach is important too, but if you can mash, you can mash. But development on the pitching side is an extremely important aspect of things. And so you've got to be able to tell these pitchers, hey, hey, you've done it at a high level here, but you come co play for us. Not only are you going to have great crowds, you're going to get developed, you're going to be able to sharpen the saw a little bit and improve your stock as a pro prospect. And so you've got to be able to tell them who it is. Because if somebody, hey, if we're up against LSU or up against Arkansas or whoever, you know, there's, we can't have a lot of unknowns when it comes to our recruiting pitch. We've got to be able to let people know who their pitching coach is going to be. They're going to have to be able to build a relationship with them. And if a coach is under contract with another team, then he is still officially uh, sanctioned as a recruiter for that team. He couldn't coach them and then recruit for us, if that makes sense. And nor should he. I don't think he'd want that anyway. A lot of that happens in college athletics, but uh, we just wouldn't expect that, especially on the college baseball side of things. So uh, that's kind of where things stand with all of that, and, and we will keep you updated as we learn things uh, as it relates to the, uh, the, the search to replace Coach Scott Foxhall. And uh, a lot of people have told me, you know, that Fox is a guy that uh, he understood. You know, he understood. Obviously, he wasn't pleased. But uh, this is a guy that's been around the game a long time, and he wanted to get this thing turned around, and things just kind of got away from us. And uh, that's what happens in life and business and sports. You know, when your department is not pulling their weight, and they give you an opportunity to fix it and it doesn't get fixed, well, you don't get to stay. And uh, I like Coach Scott Foxhall an awful lot. I, I really do. He has been especially kind to me. I uh, consider him a friend in many respects. And I uh, spent a lot of time talking to him. Uh, over the course of the last few years, and, and he's a guy that uh, loves his players, loved this university, uh, loved this program, loved all of you. It just didn't work out. It's never a personal thing. I know some fans try to make it personal. You know, that they do because they love it all so intensely. And so if somebody they feel like is not pulling their weight, then all of a sudden they become the target of your frustration, and that's just fandom, right? It's really not personal. You know, it's just when you're hurting, you kind of lash out, and, hey, this is the guy responsible this is him. He's not getting his job done, right? And we feel like we're all caretakers of the program, and we are. We're shareholders in Mississippi State baseball, so you feel like you should have a say. He was just a small one. And so when a guy's not pulling his weight, they become the target of your frustration, and that kind of goes with the punches, right? I mean, that's just kind of how things are. But I wish Scott the absolute best. I know last year there was a lot of concern that when Link Jarrett got the job at Florida State, 
Uh, Link and Fox are best friends. There's a lot of discussion last year that, that uh, Fox may leave and go to Florida State with Link. And uh, he didn't. He didn't. And uh, maybe we were thinking that, right? Maybe, in hindsight. But he came back, wanted to fix this, uh, gave us an opportunity, and it just didn't work out. It's not always somebody's fault. You know, it's one of the things that I think it's important to understand, too. Sometimes, despite your best efforts, things don't work out. I mean, it's been that way in your life, too. You know, a lot of people say, well, I've always won. You know, I have two in, in many respects. But one of the things that makes me value winning is the times that I lost. I never wanted to feel that way again. And if you've always won, chances are you're just not being honest. At some point, we all get our butts kicked by life, by industry, by relationships, whatever. And it makes you appreciate the good times that much more. It does. And uh, listen, Scott's a winner. And uh, Scott will have an opportunity somewhere else and uh, wish him and his family the absolute best. But now it's time for us to move forward. That's the next item on the agenda, right? And a lot of people have said, well, Steve, you know, we're going to get news today that Lamontis has been fired. Well, why would we get that? And what, what do you think has changed? I mean, you're, you're a pitch away from taking a series from A&M. So, well, Steve, you know, listen, I get it. I understand it. I'm not in any way going to defend this staff or this, uh, the results we've had on the field in the last two years. It's unacceptable. It is. We just disagree on the best path to get it back. And that's okay. I hope I'm right. And I know you'd love for me to be, be right too. You'd love to be wrong about that. I say, you know, I think Lamontis deserves another year. I do. I, I believe that. But I can't sit here and tell you, hey, I can guarantee you things will be better next year. But a lot of people have said, hey, well, will we get news? I mean, my inbox has exploded all day today. You hear anything here? No, no, I don't expect to hear anything. It's just going to be business as usual. We're not going to go out and make some big, you know, protracted statement. That, hey, we're going to keep him for another year. That, that's not, why would you do that? You make a statement if you're not keeping somebody, right? And I hope to get some clarification for you. But here's the thing, too. Maybe you're unaware of this. I uh, had the big uh, end of the year baseball party, and uh, I understand there was cake. I don't think anybody went swimming. I don't think we passed out trophies for everybody. But uh, had the end of the year party. Parents are there. And uh, the thing that I hear from people who were in attendance is that the bulk of your team plans to return. And that's an important aspect of this. And, that, hey, the majority of the guys love Lamonis. They don't all, but the majority of them do. And that's life too, right? I mean, that's just kind of how it is. And you got that many people. I mean, especially when he's the guy filling out the lineup card, there's always going to be somebody out there that thinks you're not getting a fair shake. But Lamonis also uh, conducted exit interviews with players yesterday. So we wouldn't have allowed him to do that if we didn't plan to bring him back. You saw the uh, tweets, you know, from David Rashawn, your dogs for life, and uh, Gerangelo tweeted some things out, some people like that. A lot of that too is just kind of, he's kind of they're kind of letting you know, they're kind of letting you know, and it was well received by our fan base. People were like, you know, hey, this this makes me feel good. It does. There's a young nucleus of players that are expected to return that we can kind of build around. Now we've got to go work the portal and find a couple of arms and go get a third baseman and maybe an outfielder, and uh, see what we can do. You know, kind of put this thing together. Uh, I am the eternal optimist, but uh, I will be honest with you. I, I'm glad this is not my decision. I, I've laid out the case before. Why well, I think you give Lamonis another year, 
you know, the emotional side of me, you know, the kid that grew up watching, uh, you know, the Ron Polk teams, uh, the guy that, uh, you know, watched the 85 and 89 teams and uh, still hold them near and dear to my heart, just as many of you do. There are a lot of, I just think, you know, hey, I'm just tired of losing. I just want to start fresh, you know. There's a part of me that feels that way. You know, it does. But uh, it's easy to get caught up emotional and be a prisoner of the moment. You begin to ask yourself, okay, let's look at this methodically. What would happen to our current roster? What would happen to our current signing class? We made a change. You know, that's a big thing last year. Everybody wanted to make the change at Florida State. You know, Florida State, despite the fact they'd never won an AFL championship, is considered a blue blood of college baseball. And uh, that, that's an interesting term. There's so many people that throw that around. You know, it's like, oh, we're not a blue blood. We are absolutely a blue blood, right? And two years of uh, baseball not going to um, erase the accomplishments and all the things that we have built over the last 130 years. There's not two years that could ever erase those, those contributions, those accomplishments. But um, when you look at, the, you know, Florida State made the change. You know, Mike Martin Jr., everybody thought, he, you know, hey, Mike, little Mike's going to come here and do a good job. And he goes three years, he goes 77 and 54. And they replace him with Link. And what does Link do this year? Goes 23 and 31. You say, well, Steve, who's Link Jarrett? Well, he was the head coach at Notre Dame. He was the head coach at Notre Dame. And uh, when they came in here and played us in a Super Regional and lost, and then the next year they get to Omaha, they upset Tennessee. Link is a Florida State guy. And this is the thing that a lot of people point to. They say, hey, Steve, you know, hey, the bottom line is um, Florida State made regionals in 21 and 22 and still fired a coach. We didn't make Hoover, and we kept ours. I get it. I do. And not to mention, that's Mike Martin, Jr., Mike Martin, one of the legendary coaches in our sport. So I get it. I absolutely get it. I get both sides of it. I do. But I think anybody expecting him to get fired today is uh, is uh, probably going to be disappointed. All right, final segment of the show brought to you by our friends at Portico. And uh, listen, if I was moving to Starkville now, the decision would be easy. I'd move to Portico. 1.1 miles away from the Mississippi State campus. What could be better than that, right? I mean, you're not on campus, right? So you don't have to deal with all that stuff, right? You don't have to deal with campus PD or, you know, a lot of rambunctiousness. Because rambunctiousness and peace and quiet don't go together. So I don't want a lot of brouhaha when I'm trying to relax, right? So 1.1 miles away, close enough for convenience, far enough away for a little privacy. I encourage you, if you're considering moving to this area, Number one, Starkville is the place to be. It is. Make it easy for you to just, you know, hey, after work today, I'm going to ride by Duty Noble Field and take in a ball game, right? All my friends and neighbors are going to come visit me on their way to, to campus during football weekends, right? You could be the, the king. Get in contact with our buddy Brooks Bryan. 601-416-8075. Again, that's 601-416-8075. 
is all of these, this is all these people reacting to some hints that I made about the new pitching coach, who I think it's going to be, over Gene's page. So people are hit me up. That's the tones you hear. It's busy around here. Uh, but the bottom line is this, is we're going to be back in baseball, and you're going to want to be here because we're going to have an exciting run with Zach Arnett as our head football coach. Uh, we're going to have an exciting run with Chris Jans, our basketball coach. And on the women's side, Sam Purcell doing some big things, right? So you want to be here. If you can't be here year-round, maybe consider getting a second home here, maybe an investment property, future retirement home. Portico can get you taken care of. You can start with a two-bedroom, two-bath home, go all the way up to a four-bedroom, four-bath home, and everything in between. Again, make Portico your next move. All right, I told you guys, too, that uh, you know, obviously uh, Hoover is this week, and uh, we're not going to be there. And next week, this show, is we're going with the rest of this week, we're going to start transitioning into football, right? So we'll start doing our previews of our opponents. We'll do previews of uh, teams around the league. We'll begin to uh, talk about some recruiting stuff, you know, graduations here, right, uh, for high schools. Matter of fact, uh, my youngest, Ian, will graduate this Friday. Everybody's coming home. Graduation. Uh, so we're going to kind of transition now that our baseball season is over. We'll touch on some baseball, you know, as, as it's relevant, obviously, as we're in the middle of looking to hire a pitching coach. Uh, we're in the process, of course, of uh, you know, gearing up for the recruiting, the baseball portal. So we'll touch on those things. But we're going we're gonna to go into football season mode here on the Boneyard. I'm ready. Right, the, the season's kind of taking its toll on me, to be honest with you. And I, I tell you the hardest part for me is uh, – yeah, you know, my wife, of course, has been uh, been shooting some photography with me uh, when we travel for baseball. And I've seen this transition kind of happen with her, too. It's like, you know, w- once you get to know the players and their families a little bit, you want it so bad for them. You, like, you start rooting for kids. And you start rooting for their families. And it's like, as bad as I want it for all of us, I want it even more for those players. I want them to leave here having accomplished something major in their career and kind of further their own legacy, but also to add to ours, right? Uh, and so that's part of it, too. And I hate that guys like Luke Hancock, despite the fact that he and Kellen Clark won an NFL championship, I'm sad that they had to go through two years of this. You know, like last year he said, okay, and you and like Luke decides to come back, hey, I want to fix it, and then we don't quite get it done, right? And so I'm sad that that's the way it ends for those guys, honestly. I mean, the, the, yes, they have a ring, right? And they were part of the, you know, the team that accomplished more than anybody in the history of Mississippi State baseball. But you would have liked to have seen it end a little bit better for them and them have a chance to get to the postseason. You, you would. And that's how I felt anyway. Maybe you feel differently. You know, I, I began thinking about that down the stretch. I was thinking, you know, maybe it's just better if we get this thing over and get a pitching coach hired and, you know, get to work on the portal and start thinking of next year. And you start thinking, what about these guys in their final year? You know, what about them? You start putting the needs of them kind of in front of yourself. You want them to have a chance to play and play their way into perhaps a pro baseball opportunity. But uh, nevertheless, so we will be in um, cap mode here in about uh, 10 days or so. And we'll have full coverage over at jeanspage.com. Paul and I will be out there. Robbie will be out there at times too. And uh, we'll take some pictures and we'll uh, get some video interviews. We'll do some things out there that uh, – Nobody else is going to do. You know, we're going to go out there and cover that thing extensively. 
And we're going to have the a thread every single day, kind of explain it. Here's what's happening in camp. Paul does a good job updating that. I'll jump in there occasionally and, and provide some commentary. But we're, nobody's going to cover these camps like we are. And the next thing you know, we're going to be in uh, fall camp mode. And uh, so we'll get out, probably go uh, travel a little bit in July, you know, in between the camps and then fall camp. Because once we get into fall camp mode, I mean, you know how it goes, man. We get in here in August, we're locked up, man, till Thanksgiving. You get a little bit of a break, and next thing you know, you know, we're getting into bowl practice. And uh, obviously, I, I have high hopes for this team, as many of you do. But I'm ready. I mean, I'm ready for some positivity within the fan base, right? I mean, it's like, yeah, yeah, we've had a decent year when you consider the full academic and athletic year. Baseball and softball didn't end the way we'd hoped. You know, we really hoped softball would kind of build on last year's momentum. Of course, we host a Super Regional for the first time. And then this year, we don't make the field. But, you know, we, we get the golden egg back. We win a ball game, have a top 20 finish in football. We make the NCAA tournament in both men's and women's basketball. So, yeah, by and large, it's been a good year. It has been a great year. We needed the spring sports to kind of finish up on a strong note for us, and, and we didn't do that. So I'm ready to kind of calibrate now. And the more I talk about it even now on this show, the more excited I'm getting. It's like, hey, now, yeah, I think this is going to be a really good football year. I think Zach Garnett is going to bring some real toughness to this team he's done in the time he's been here but uh, I'm interested to see kind of what he does uh, with the offensive side of course he's not going to be involved in the X's and O's but uh, you know Zach's a guy that wants us to be able to run the football with more authority we're going to continue to have the air raid passing concepts but we're going to be more balanced offense but the name of the game with Arnett is going to be competitiveness and toughness that's who he is people forget this Zach Arnett was a college baseball player Oh, yeah. Yeah. And then decided that he loved football so much he wasn't ready to give up on his college football dream, decided to walk on at New Mexico. Not only does he make the team, eventually gets put on scholarship and ends up being uh, one, of the, one of the great linebackers of his era at UNM. And so that's the guy right there that has some currency in the building. It's like, hey, I wasn't recruited to go play football. I went and crashed the party. And so when you've got these walk-ons and people like that, he can say, hey, this is what I did, and now I'm your head coach. You know, you can do it too. And so there's not a, a single guy on this roster that doesn't respect Zach Arnett. And that was even one of the things last year. You know, the, the offensive guys had a tremendous amount of respect for Zach Arnett because of how challenging he was on them during practices. He'd get out there and he'd talk trash to them. And he was the guy that would you know, send the blitz package. And you know, he was the guy that wanted them to get better. He challenged them to get better. And they respected that element of things. And so now it's time. Is Zach Arnett, it's time for you to take center stage. And a lot of people are saying, well, I don't really count the ball game. It doesn't really matter what you count. We count the ball game. The university counts the ball game. NCAA counts the ball game. So Zach Arnett's 1-0 and as your head coach. And, you know, we start beginning to look at the schedule and everything. Again, I, th I think there's some favorable things on there. A lot of people are like, but Steve, you know, it's a difficult schedule. Guys, we play in the SEC West. We're going to have one of the most difficult schedules every single year. And I think in order to compete in that neighborhood, you got to go get a bully of your own. I think Zach Arnett is exactly the kind of person that we need to lead this program. I think Zach's a guy, number one, that uh, understands NIL. And uh, as much as I love Mike Leach, Mike was a guy that never truly embraced NIL, didn't do a whole lot to help us. He didn't. He, he, Mike's one of those kind of guys that just felt like, you know, hey, they should want to come here because they love us and they think this is the right fit for them. 
and uh, Mike did some things for us, but he was a little bit reluctant. And as a result, some of his assistants, especially on the offensive side, they were somewhat reluctant too when it came to NIL. Defensively, much different deal. Zach Arnett kind of understood where things were headed. And I think as a result, that's one of the reasons you have seen him be more involved when it comes to NIL fundraising. And so I think Zach gets it. I think Zach, of course, as I mentioned earlier, has, has respect in the locker room. And I think Zach is the kind of guy, too, that has kind of got a junkyard dog mentality. I think Zach is exactly the kind of person we need because Zach has been an underdog himself his whole life. An undersized linebacker playing, you know, Division I football goes out there and, and is, becomes a prolific tackler in a place where people told him he didn't belong. You know, and I'll tell you this, I've spent some time in Albuquerque. Albuquerque is not this cosmopolitan place. It's tough, man. It is. Albuquerque, you earn it out there. You do. There's a lot of poverty out there, not a lot of opportunity. And so he made the most of his opportunity. And now you look, he's, uh, you know, a head coach in the Southeastern Conference. You don't think that guy's going to do all he can to reward this university for their faith in him? I'm always going to bet on Zach Arnett. I would never bet against him. I'll tell you that. That's one thing that was kind of my fear, is that at some point we would lose Zach Arnett. He would go somewhere else, and then within two or three years be a head coach, and then he's not our head coach. And so while we may be a year ahead of the curve here with him, or two, I think it's worth the risk. And I know some people are like, well, I'm just kind of measured. That's okay, too. I think Zach Arnett, number one, is going to bring – a lot of the nasty back when it comes to Mississippi State football. We're not going to be a finesse football team. We're going to be a team that goes out there and tries to dominate the line of scrimmage and we'll come punch in the mouth. That's one of the things I remember years ago in the infancy of uh, the internet and message boards, we used to have Access Atlanta. I'm dating myself because I'm from the 1900s. We had Access Atlanta. It was one of those things with the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. So they had message boards. You go there and talk. And the one of the things that I remember there were so many fans around this conference that respected Mississippi State because of the fact of how hard we played on defense. And I'll never forget this. I remember a South Carolina fan that posted this. He said, I love playing teams the week after they play Mississippi State because Mississippi State brings the wood. It's true. And I think that's the reputation we had. I think Zach Arnett's going to bring that back. We're going to bring that level of physicality back. And I think people in this conference – are not going to want to play us. Even if they beat us, they understand that, you know what, there's the lingering effect of playing Mississippi State. We're going to have a physical brand of football. We're not going to be a finesse football team. That's going to be on both sides of the line of scrimmage. So it's okay to be excited. It's okay to have some hope. And for those of you that are forecasting failure, uh, I look forward to you saying at the end of the year that you were glad you were wrong. Because at the end of the day, I know we all want the same things. That's for Mississippi State to win big. That's going to do it for today. Thanks so much for your support. Go to dogpilethebook.com. Buy yourself some books. Get Dogpile, Alpha Dogs, uh, Flim Flam. Uh, Father's Day is coming up. It'll be a great Father's Day gift. You can get those personalized and signed. Matter of fact, I'm heading down to Jackson tomorrow to sign some books and uh, for online orders. So be thinking about that. Online orders through dogpilethebook.com. Bloomsville Leander, available for a limited time. Going to be going out of print here in the next few months. Uh, Amazon.com, BarnesandNoble.com, BooksAndMegan.com. And then, of course, uh, Stark Villains Gear, always available at StarkVillains.com. If you're not a member of JeansPage.com, you should be. Come and join our merry band of maroon misfits. 
over at jeanspage.com, the Mississippi State affiliate for 247 Sports. Until next time, let's all live our lives in a way we make more friends than enemies and people can see a difference in the way we live. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 455 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. And it works everywhere I write. Summarizing a doc only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.